on TV, online and on your smartphone. This is Ticker News. Hey there, folks. Vladimir Putin's international standing has taken a huge hit after the failed Wagner rebellion. Putin wants to be seen as the strongman of Russia, but today he is far from that. But now we want to find out how those events have impacted Russia's relationship with China, arguably its most important ally. I'm Aaron Young. Let's get started. Now from our headquarters at Ticker Park, this is Ticker Today. So many in the West sought to cripple Russia for its invasion of Ukraine, and some countries actually grew closer to Moscow during the past few years. Let's start with China. Its leaders saw an opportunity to move further away from the West, a decision that seems to have brought China and Russia closer together as well. But as China and Russia grew closer, the divide between Beijing and Washington blew out, and the economic impacts for both countries have been significant at the worst possible time. Ending Russia's war is a moral imperative, and it will save many innocent lives. As I've said, it's also the single best thing we can do for the global economy. China's no-limits partnership and support for Russia is a worrisome indication that it is not serious about ending the war. It is essential that China and other countries do not provide Russia with material support or assistance with sanctions. All right. So U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen there. So where does this leave China's relationship with Russia and where does it stand after the Wagner rebellion as well? Both countries' leaders don't tolerate dissent in their ranks. So, of course, they have to look at the rationale behind the relationship and how it's changed. Let's get a bit more on this now because it has been a huge few weeks in China and Russia. Let's head to Hong Kong. Andrew Sullivan is from the Asian Market Sense, joins us now. Great to have you with us. Um, Obviously, the relationship between Russia and China has been strong. Historically, the Soviet Union and China were able to splinter, but things seem to be somewhat of a reliance on each other at the moment. Yes, I think you're right. I mean, I, the, the reality is, though, that, uh, you know, as you were saying, it's a split from the West is, is the, uh, the thing that has drawn them together. And from China's point of view, uh, it's, you know, it's been uh, backing Putin. It's been a relationship, a friendship without boundaries. Um, but I think there are some that are questioning, you know, actually how much uh, Xi has been given the inside track on what Russia is really doing uh, and whether actually much of it is, is a matter of him using this as a way to uh, really uh, promote China. And, and the, the, the reality is, you know, that the, or the potential was earlier that he would be there stepping in to negotiate a peace treaty. The key thing for China is that they don't want Putin to fail. So this will have um, probably undermined a little bit of that and increases the risk as far as China is concerned. Because obviously, if Putin does fail, if he doesn't win this war or he doesn't come out of it at least looking good, then China equally is going to be uh, undermined by that. So that's going to be a concern for Xi in the short term. Has China and Xi put all of its eggs in the Putin basket, though? I mean, you talk about not wanting for Putin to fail, but if he does, what would be the impact for China? I mean, they've been moving away from the G7s of the world and the G20s of the world and more towards things like BRICS, you know, that alliance of essentially the countries that struggle to, to get on with the rest. Um, we seem to be living in two worlds. How reliant is China on Putin? Well, I think that the fact that they have, you know, they haven't given him implicit support. I mean, they haven't actually, you know, they haven't gone along the West line to uh, to oust him and say that this is wrong. But they, you know, that they've 
quietly said and supported what he said. Now, part of the, the problem for them is actually the fact that a lot of the Wagner campaign against the generals has undermined the whole reasoning and uh, that, that Putin start, launched the war from. Uh, and that's going to cause China a problem because, again, its initial peace plan that it put forward for this was very much touting the, the, the party line that was coming out of Russia. Now, if that's been undermined, that makes China look somewhat foolish, A, for believing it and B, for pushing it as a peace plan. So I think you'll see some more distancing. Uh, and another thing that's going to happen, I think, is the fact that, you know, certainly when the invasion or when the, uh, the mutiny started, um, there was talk of a lot of uh, Chinese suppliers trying to make sure that the goods weren't going into Russia because they were really worried that this mutiny was going to result in change. So I think Putin has, I guess, disappointed China once again, and, uh, and Xi will be looking very carefully at the links um, and whether, whether or not he, he can distance himself some way from it in the short term. Really good point. Another one, of course, is the reliance for Russia on China to buy its oil, given the sanctions from the West, and the reliance of China to buy Russia's oil, which, as the war continues, would be pushing the price up. Doesn't that add a different paradigm to China and Russia's relationship? Well, I think we saw when, when Putin uh, invited Xi to Russia recently, um, he was hoping to have this new gas pipeline through Mongolia signed off and agreed. And China didn't actually agree with that at this stage. So I think China is still holding a few cards and it will use the, the weakness in Russia for its own benefit. It, you know, it benefits from cheaper gas, cheaper oil, because Russia is running out of people to supply with it. Um, and it's interesting as well in that light to see that uh, Russia is trying to court itself with, uh, with India, who's been another big buyer of the oil and uh, out, out of Russia in the meantime. So longer term wise, and, and I think throughout this, Xi has been using the situation to promote and do what's best for China, whether that's cheaper energy to help uh, going forward or whether it's to, to gain the, you know, the dominance. Um, and of course, you know, if you go back 20 years, Russia looked like the stronger of the two communist systems. Uh, now, Xi can probably uh, rightly say that Chinese communism has been successful. Obviously, we know that China has been propping up the North Korean dictatorship. Do we risk China now having to continue to prop up the Russian dictatorship as well? Um, I'm not sure that it really needs to, to prop that up. I mean, Putin is still in power there uh, and the system has not been uh, you know, usurped at this stage. Um, he faces an election next year, which could be contested. But the fact that he's put a lot of his political um, adversaries in jail or silenced them means that it, he's probably going to retain power. There will just be uh, concerns that it's not the absolute power that we've seen him uh, wield for the last 20 years. And, and I think with that in mind, China won't want to be overcommitted because it knows that if it does, the likelihood is that there are going to be more Western sanctions of the sort that uh, the West imposed on Russia, i.e. the freezing of reserves and that sort of thing. And, and for that reason, I think you've seen China move away from US dollar deposits into more gold and into other assets and into other currencies to try and ameliorate that sort of potential risk. Andrew, obviously the relationship between Russia and China grew closer back in the 1980s and has drawn even closer because they both have the same uh, foe at the moment. We won't say enemy, but foe being the United States. 
Where do you see that relationship going? And given the fact that they both have very different relationships with the United States in the sense that China and the United States seem entangled from a financial situation, how do you see that developing? And could there come a point where for China to essentially get closer to the US for the sake of both of their economies, that would draw them further away from Russia? Can they manage both? Well, I think you know, that was the hope at the beginning for them, that if they were able to, um, they didn't have to come out and say that Putin was wrong, then they could maintain their relationship with Russia, that was the, the friendship for, without boundaries. If they could also step in as the peacemaker between these two parties and they could use their influence over Russia uh, and negotiate a peace, that would help them uh, maintain that relationship with Russia whilst at the same time rebuilding some of those bridges to the West. Uh, and, and notably, obviously, to America. Um, the current situation doesn't look quite so clear cut. Um, the initial peace plan or the reasons behind the war have been undermined by, uh, by, the, by the mutiny and the statements that have been uh, posted there. The, the peace plan, therefore, that uh, China has originally put forward, which was touting very much the Russian line, has been undermined and makes it more difficult. Um, and the fact that actually on the battlefield, Russia's now losing ground. And I think, you know, that's going to put Russia, you know, in, in a defensive position. And the real worry for, for China and for the world is the fact that, you know, Putin has said that he's prepared to use theatre nuclear weapons. Now, I think that might be a, a step too far for even mm -hmm. China endorse. Yeah. And that uh, would be the biggest them... issue because they need that stability, uh, stability being the key yeah. there. We're speaking with Andrew Sullivan from Hong Kong. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the industrial economic problems facing China now. Stay with us.